Welcome to the first Wonder Space episode of 2022. My name is Steve Cole, and over the past 55 episodes, I have been asking the same six questions to amazing people from around the world. The questions orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness, and the setting for each journey is a shared window on the space station from where we see everything from a different perspective. Before we introduce our guest, our friends at asknature.org are going to help us to rewonder. At each stop as she flits among the coral, an octopus instantly changes color and pattern to disappear into the background. Her skin is covered in little sacks of red, yellow, or brown pigment, hundreds in every square centimeter. Muscles connect to them and by contracting or relaxing, either reveal or hide each tiny burst of color. Lower skin layers have the ability to isolate and reflect other colors from incoming light or to reflect the general quality of light all around. For this soft, silent wonder, beauty, communication, and survival are all gloriously skin deep. Our orbit this week will take us over Western Europe and to experience these views with us in this ultimate window seat, we welcome Samata Pattinson who is a broadcaster, entrepreneur, award-winning designer, and the CEO of Red Carpet Green Dress, which is an organization that brings sustainability to the forefront of conversation and action within the fashion industry. With a panoramic view of Earth, I start by asking Samata if we could do a fly-past on any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city, or country would it be and why? I think a place that's significant to me is always going to be Ghana. I mean, it's where both of my parents were born, my mother in southern Ghana, my father in northern Ghana, and where they met, where they grew up, and really where they departed from to travel over to the United Kingdom and kind of, you know, start their family and build their lives. So Ghana's always been the kind of beginning of my story and, you know, part of a very culture-rich continent of Africa. Ghana, to me, is home to how I began understanding sustainability. You know, it's something that I experienced from aunts and uncles, how they talked about the things we make and this kind of deference to nature and the unseen power that it possesses and the very tangible power it possesses at the same time across to just knowing that I was part of a culture that was so rich in heritage and symbolism all around me that as a child I always thought looked incredible but as I grew older understood that it held really powerful messages you know like the Adinkra symbols which say everything from proverbs about cherishing value to really respecting the power of nature so Ghana um, specifically is just a really important place for me to remember who I am, remember where I came from, and remember that there are lessons that I can always return to that will prepare me for my life wherever I am. <laughs> Samata, give us a glimpse into your life story so far with an emphasis on what you are doing currently. So I would say a quick glimpse into my life story so far. So I'm a British-born Ghanaian who was born in Cambridge in the United Kingdom, grew up in Cambridge, went to um, an all-girls school with my two other sisters 
and really saw my life in Cambridge as one where I blended cultures and experiences. You know, we had the West African community, a really strong Ghanaian community. They'd always keep an eye on me if I was in town and let my mum know where I was. And then we had this kind of different European Western experience where I kind of saw how my friends interacted with their parents and families or, you know, just the expression of themselves through fashion, like, the culture and the the aesthetics of somewhere like Cambridge is so different to that of somewhere like Accra. So it was this kind of very blended, um, pluralistic ex- existence, and it was fascinating. And I didn't realise then, but I'm so lucky to have grown up in some a place like Cambridge because it's obviously known for the university. It's so multicultural. It's so diverse of people and experiences that you you are automatically placed in a situation where you know that there's no single story there's no like monolithic view of how things are you always are aware that well this person has a different experience this person has a different food this person has a different language a different accent and it's as valid as this person who has a different voice accent food etc and I moved to London for my university um, and I actually started in a degree in radiography which was not for me and then I moved over to economics finance and management which was also not for me, but I finished that degree. Um, But I knew that when I was in London, I wanted to be immersed in the fashion industry. So I kind of used to hang out like at boutiques and make friends with designers. And that kind of just was a natural journey into me, maybe trying my own hand at designing and, you know, creating things and and falling in love with fashion as a space to me, which was always about self-expression and identity and straddling this line of being creative, but having a passion about business and kind of how things work and so yeah that's kind of me I bounced about in that for a while and then you know at the end of 2010 beginning of 2011 I was kind of uh, a young designer that entered a design competition just by chance and that was my introduction to sustainability so even though I've always existed around sustainability I just never used the language red carpet green dress was a contest I entered I won the contest and I started on a journey to understand how fashion and sustainability intersect. And that's been one of the most exciting kind of work journeys of my entire life. Um, So, yeah, now I'm deeply entrenched in that. I'm the CEO of Red Carpet Green Dress, a campaign founded by Susie Amos Cameron and James Cameron, who are just really passionate about communicating sustainability in, in fresh and, you know, unique ways. It was started when Susie and James Cameron were going to the Oscars and they wanted to have a meaningful conversation about the way that the fashion industry or the apparel industry impacts people and planet. And so the idea was let's challenge a create a global creative community to design a sustainable piece that Susie herself would wear. And then when she was walking the carpet, she could talk about that piece and talk about what it meant, um, how it had impact to people on people, how it had impact on planet. And that was really, really kind of uh, the way that it started. But since then, it's really evolved um, to so many other things. We still have our a partnership with the annual Academy Awards or the Academy, which we're really proud of. And with that, we work with global or independent brands, you know, artisans, designers, um, you know, delivering these sustainable design solutions. But we also have educational work with young minds or minds that are learning about sustainability so that means you don't actually have to be young you could be like a mature student for example but it's people who are on the journey to learn about sustainability so that's really workshops internships work experience and things like that 
and our global design competition, which people will know about as well. And then most recently, we started an R&D division, which focuses on regenerative materials as well, because we felt that there was a missing kind of gap with our work. We're working with brands who are keen to deliver sustainable design solutions, but there's a shortfall when it comes to materials, especially in the luxury space. So we wanted to be part of bringing those solutions to people. So it's quite a nice varied um, existence. We have lots of different types of projects and, you know, they're all really, really exciting. So it's pretty much, you know, a 360 approach to sustainability, not just environmental, but definitely social as well. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? I would say my place of reset or recharge is always by the water. So that could be an ocean, it could be a lake, it could be a river. But I've always just found that when I'm by kind of a large body of water, I just find it very, very soothing. I find it really relaxing. And I also am reminded how small I am, which is actually really comforting. Um, Your life feels like it's the entire world to you sometimes because it's your life. But really, it's like it's just a drop in the ocean. I'm a drop in the ocean. And that humbles me. And it also helps me realise that I have lots of other drops to me. I have lots of other people to to have the opportunity to meet. Lots of other people feel the way that I feel. Um, And I think there is something about seeing water moving especially you know when I'm in Los Angeles where I am frequently I get the chance to just go and watch like the waves or you know when you go the Pacific Coast Highway there's something really really impressive about like nature just doing its thing like it's not it's not trying to be anything grand it just is. (laughs) What wonder of the natural world excites you the most? There is literally no single wonder because What I find as someone who's kind of quite excited by biodiversity and the fact that we literally, we know there is so much undiscovered biodiversity, right? We we literally have so much more to discover that we don't even know is out there yet or we don't know how it exists. So that to me blows my mind all the time. And again, it's that concept of, gosh, don't you love to be reminded of how little you know? I do. I do, because it gives me hope that, okay, I might learn something tomorrow that will make me feel better, will help me be more of a a kind of a benefit or assistance to somebody else, right? But when it comes to wonders of the natural world, I think it's just the way that nature always has a solution for its own problems that don't involve imploding or like devastating entire continents, you know? It's just that smart biological strategy that nature has like you have you know the sea creatures that sense electricity or you've got the the um the the fish that see in the dark or how how fruit flies follow a scent like it's these things that are just completely to nature just non like non things to celebrate but but when you study them they give you solutions to for how we can survive like if you think about now you know, you've got things like uh, these kind of pigment molecules and leaves that absorb and transfer solar energy, or you have like the um, really pure distilled water um, that's inspired by like the evaporation process of the surface of a leaf. You've got iguanas that change size based on the available resources. Like nature is incredibly smart and it also is able to work 
together. Like, I remember reading an article about how some wild dogs um, in the continent um, of Africa, they're able, they have their own, like, voting system and how they make group decisions about, you know, whether they're going to stay, whether they're going to go, you know. And that is, to me, um, almost the auditorium we should be sitting in a lot more because I think we still think we have all the answers. We still think we're innovating. We still think we're, di we're discovering new things. And in a way, we're discovering things, but just because we've discovered them doesn't mean we brought them into existence. They actually were always there. So I apologise that this isn't a succinct answer, but nature to me is one of the most incredible things that we've, we're privileged enough to be able to be around. And I just wish we had a lot more like deference and humility to it. Samata, so what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own? About a person, business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? My story of hopefulness for the future, for the world, is... There's an organisation that I really love called Atlas of the Future. And the reason I love what they're doing is because, first of all, it's this concept of a global spotlight. I feel very strongly that a lot of the work um, in the sustainability realm has really centred specific parts of the world more kind of predominantly. It's heavily celebrated the thoughts and actions kind of coming out of these spaces. And in a way, it's pushed away or subordinated thoughts, concepts, pioneers, people, communities from other parts of the world. So the fact that Atlas of the Future look for, you know, people from around the world to solve our problems and also just to celebrate what they do is really, really important. We can't have a kind of a sustainable future if we've only ever listened to a tiny percentage of the, the population. It's just who's that sustainable for? And then the bit, you know, where they say it's the future, right? And I, I think that so often the conversations we have focus on how bad things are, where we are right now, and we aren't having enough conversations about what we're trying to build towards. And when I say that, I mean the positive side. We know what we're running away from, okay, at this point. We really do, but where are we running towards? So Atlas of the Future have all of these different ways to communicate a different type of future. They And they use media in a way that is, to me, the future of media. It's interactive, it's interpreting figures and data in a very visual way. You know, they bring in things like comics, they bring in this idea of a new media, what that looks like, local stories being able to translate the content into different languages, these things that show a more global view and cultural view of sustainability. And I really, really love that. They've just kind of never failed to inspire. And even when they're kind of presenting something which is just not great, you know, this is not something we have a great deal of kind of joy when we hear these statistics. It's always solution focused. It's like, this is a problem. How are we going to tackle this? Um, and for me being someone that really feels deeply about, you know, the environment and about people, this approach works for me because it makes me feel hopeful and it also deals with my anxiety about things as well. So I think Atlas of the Future are really incredible. Finally, as we prepare to re-enter, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to share with us? The wisdom I would have is... Listen to the smaller things 
I think we're we're in a space right now where there's a lot of noise. There are lots of lots of different kind of big data movements, thoughts, concepts, sentiments, etc., just coming in at all directions towards you. And it can feel overwhelming and sometimes it can kind of cripple you to an an inability to act or an inability to do anything. You just think, oh my gosh, there's too much, I'm going to shut down. And my thing is just really just pay attention to the small things, like little and often steady wins the race, you know. And and that's just a journey you're in with yourself, by the way. That isn't a race against other people or with other people. It's just your own personal tiny journey to just try and exist as best you can knowing that there is no perfect, i.e. one solution for one person is not a solution for another. So I think it's just the kind of celebration of the tour, the small, tiny wins that as they accumulate a part of your bigger picture. Um, that would be what I would like to share. To find out more about Samata, go to samatahome.com. Red carpet green dress can be found at rcgdglobal.com. In her story of hopefulness, Samata spoke about Atlas of the Future, who in December were forced to postpone their Fixing the Future Festival in Barcelona. Samata was one of the 50 speakers, and we were also going to be there to record an episode of Wonder Space. The good news is that the event has been rearranged for September the 16th and 17th and you can find out more at fixingthefuture.atlasofthefuture.org To engage with the previous 55 Wonder Space episodes go to our website ourwonder.space I want to thank Samata for joining us on Wonder Space And I hope you can join us next week for more wonders and stories of hopefulness.